Flyers Daily with Jason Mertides. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 19th of December. Flyers Daily, as always, presented by Ticketmaster. Make more memories live. Flyers Devils tonight. Uh, Flyers looking to keep it going and keep the points in the standings adding up. Uh, they've been so good of late, and they look to continue that tonight. Really, this streak, this this streak that they're on, began against the Devils. It was an overtime loss, but that's where the point streak began way back on November 30th. Flyers overcame a two-goal deficit in that game to get it to overtime. Ultimately, uh, the Hughes brothers hooked up in overtime to win it uh, for the New Jersey Devils. And the Devils have been running good of late as well. They're 7-3 and three in their last 10, although they did lose their last game. Pretty ugly one, as a matter of fact, to the Ducks, who are the worst team in hockey. They lost that game 5-1 to one on their home ice. The Flyers, since these last two teams met, uh, they faced Pittsburgh twice. They won the shootout, one in overtime, 2-1. to one. Uh, Then they went to Arizona, beat Arizona, beat Colorado, lost to Nashville in overtime, beat Washington in the shootout, and then they won their last game, one to nothing over the Detroit Red Wings. Now, New Jersey, since these two teams last met, uh, they actually lost to San Jose, 6-3. to three. They beat Vancouver, Seattle, and Calgary all on the road, lost to Edmonton, 4-1, to one. Uh, beat the Boston Bruins 2-1 to one in overtime. Impressive victory there. Uh, beat the Columbus Blue Jackets. And like I said, they lost their last game against the Anaheim Ducks uh, by a score of 5-1. to one. Looks like Carter Hart will be back tonight. He was back at practice yesterday. Uh, everybody participated in the practice with the exception of Sean Couturier. But John Tortorella, after the practice, said it was just a maintenance day for Couturier. We're going to see these throughout the season, uh, but he would be available coming up tonight for the game. So that's very good news. Leading the way for the New Jersey Devils in points still, you know who it is, and it's Jack Hughes. He's had an unbelievable surge both last year and this year, and now he's got 37 points in 24 games, 14 goals, 23 assists, and 16 power play points. Brat second in the team uh, it, with 36 points in 29 games, 12 of them goals, and Tyler Toffoli has got 13 goals as well and 23 points on the season. And when you face the New Jersey Devils, we saw it firsthand in that game at Wells Fargo Center uh, where the Flyers lost in overtime. Still, the number one ranked power play in the NHL at 30.5%. It's a big, big number, 30.5%. Uh, this far into the season, they're 29 games in. Flyers are 30 games into the season, and the Flyers' power play percent, not really close. A third, 10.5%, 30th in the NHL. Like to see that start to produce some points, produce some goals. Uh, that would give the Flyers certainly an ad- added dynamic that they're missing right now. They've been winning and getting points despite that, but. Got to get that power play going here eventually. Uh, the Flyers come into the game sitting in the second spot of the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference. 30 games played, 17, 10, and 3. 37 points, 7, 1, and 2 in their last 10, and they've won their last two. They're one point up on the Islanders, who've played the same amount of games. Uh, they are two points up on the Carolina Hurricanes, who have played one more game than the Flyers. And the New Jersey Devils sit in the sixth spot in the division. 29 games, 16, 12, and 1, 33 points. Like I said, 7-3 and three in their last 10. But kind of a telling stat for them is that they're minus 3 in goal differential. Uh, so that's a, a bit alarming for a team like the Devils that was looking 
uh, to take that next step this season. They had that 59-point season, I think it was, two years ago. Then last year, a huge jump in the standings. And, you know, you look at the team, you look at the maturation of, you know, a guy like Jack Hughes and others there and Timo Meyer and Dougie Hamilton, who's been out. But uh, they've got a lot of pieces, but do they have goaltending? And, boy, when you look around the NHL right now, there are a lot of teams that are just looking for somebody that can make some saves. And some, a lot of teams don't have it. The Flyers right now, they've got two guys that are performing incredibly well in that in Carter Hart and Sam Harrison. Uh, we'll see if they can continue that tonight. Both have been so good and really consistent, with the exception of Harrison's first three games of the year. Um, he's been incredibly consistent. 7-1-1 in his last nine games, a 930 save percentage. Ho-hum, pretty darn good numbers. Uh, started the last three games and performed very well and got a shutout in his last one. All said and done, Carter's played 17 games, record of 9-6-1, goals against average, 9-19 save percentage. Arison's appeared in 12, a record of 7-3-2, a 2-5-7 goals against average, and an 8-97 save percentage. But that 8-97 is really kind of drugged down uh, by the first three performances where I think his save percentage in those games was about 763. So he's had. it's going to be tough to overcome those big numbers that he gave up in the very beginning of the year, uh, but he's playing well of late, and uh, maybe that 897 uh, save percentage is not very indicative of how he play, has played, certainly in the last nine games as well. So Flyers-Devils tonight at Wells Fargo Center, and uh, we'll recap that game for you coming up tomorrow. Now, one of the things I wanted to look at in this episode, let's talk about Travis Konechny a little bit. Travis Konechny's played in 30 games this season. He's got 16 goals, 9 assists, 25 points. He's seeing just under 19 minutes of ice time. He's a plus 11. Two power play goals, two or one power play assist, three shorthanded goals. Um, and he's been a catalyst for this Flyers team. He's probably, not probably, he is the most dangerous guy that jumps over the boards. When the opposition goes, okay, who's on the ice? When Konechny's out there, he's the most dangerous Flyer player. And yesterday, John Tortorella was asked uh, about TK and his after-practice availability. He had some really interesting things to say. And uh, I'm going to read this directly from Bill Meltzer's uh, Twitter as he kind of cataloged it. But here's what he said uh, yesterday, John Tortorella. He said he had a lot to say about Travis Konechny, but the main gist of it was that in coaching Travis Konechny, you have to resist the push to overcoach. And then Tort said this line. He said, I think you can coach Konechny into being an average NHL player. Torts also went on to say that he often can't bear to watch TK from the bench because some of the things he does, that'll drive a coach crazy. But Tortorella has to let a lot go unless it starts to get too far out there. Then they have to reel him in. TK was benched in the Pittsburgh game for uh, nine minutes late in the second period and into the third. Got to rein him in sometimes. But Tortorella said he's surprised that TK never killed penalties before last year. He asked to do it, but admit it, he'd never done it before. And it took adjustment, but he obviously he's a very good penalty killer. And Torts went on to say, I can't believe he's never killed penalties before with his skill set. But the, the line that he says, I think you can coach Travis Konechny into being an average NHL player. That, that quote just hit me. And I think about that, and I go, okay, if John Tortorella was – 2002 John Tortorella, 20 years ago, 21 years ago, whatever it is, would that have been the same urge to be able, would he be able to 
resisted that control, that overcoaching, that demanding you do it this way or it's the highway? I don't think so. I mean, Torts has talked about it with me on Hockey and Hounds about that ability to start to let guys go and be who they are as players as long as it doesn't get too out of control and become net negative. And Konechny's a great example of that. He's a guy that he'll fly the zone. He'll make some decisions and, you know, in the offensive zone or in the neutral zone, curl the wrong way or make some decisions trying to create offense that can be detrimental. So you do have to keep your eye on it, but you have to let a player like him play on that edge of something big can happen at any moment. You have to have players like that on your team. And TK is one of those guys. So I I think that's really interesting. I think that shows the evolution of John Tortorella. Now, like you guys, you know, I've always watched Torts from afar. You know, when he was with the Tampa Bay Lightning, when he was in New York with the Rangers, and then, you know, the one year in Vancouver, and then the, the six years in Columbus. And we all see kind of the Torts greatest hits. You know, the the combativeness with media members or, you know, the the fire and brimstone speeches in the locker room or torts, you know, going ballistic on the bench. But one thing that I think we've learned now that we kind of live side by side with torts and we see him day to day, that obviously he's not like that 24-7. You can't be. But I think there's a lot less of that in his style now. He's become much more cerebral, at least in my opinion, and a guy that really chooses to pick his spots, realizes some of the battles that he used to fight aren't worth fighting. And it's helped players like Travis Konechny. It's gonna, I think it's helping players like Travis Sanheim. I think it'll help young players like Cam York, Owen Tippett, and Morgan Frost. It'll help all of those guys. And, you know, TK is the team's leading scorer. And I just went through it a couple minutes ago. You know, the Pittsburgh game in Pittsburgh was just a few weeks ago. And he was getting a little too, taking too many liberties with some of the responsibilities that Torts wants TK to play with. And so he sat him down for nine minutes, rein him back in. That's To me, that's really good coaching and understanding that not every player needs to be coached the same way and not every player needs to be necessarily disciplined the same way. It's just finding a way to get the maximum out of that player and when things kind of go off the rails, mitigating the damage or the negative negative plays that can happen. So I, I, that really jumped out at me. I think you can coach Travis Konechny into being an average NHL player. Really interesting stuff. Uh, love hearing you know that insight and those kind of thought patterns from John Tortorella as well. I, you know another guy that's really worked well with in the way you coach him? Brad Shaw's got a lot to do with it, is Rasmus Ristolainen. Risto had his best game. I, I didn't watch all of his games in Buffalo. He had his best game as a flyer in that game on Saturday against Detroit. He had to step up to the top pair because Travis Sanheim couldn't go. By the way, Sanheim was back at practice yesterday, and he'll be ready to go tonight. But he gets jumped up into the top pair with Cam York. He's handled those minutes before. It's not a question of being able to handle the minutes. He's played with York before. Thought he played an unbelievable game. He was still physical, but wasn't taking himself out of plays. Killed plays. Zone exits were good. I thought he played a really, really good game. His best as a flyer. And, 
you know, he may have scored more points in games when he was in Buffalo. He was more of a point-getter defenseman when he was there. Uh, but really good performance out of Rasmus Ristolainen as well. Matter of fact, after the game, he said, I wish John Tortorella would have been my coach at 18. Tort says, oh, be careful what you ask for um, in that regard for Ristolainen. Uh, so Flyers-Devils tonight. Uh, yesterday at practice, though, I had a chance to catch up with a guy that has really been not only the uh, a lot of talk in Philadelphia amongst the hockey community and Flyer fans, but really some national story stuff with an acquisition they made this summer that seemed really, really under the radar. I'm talking about Sean Walker. We didn't know much about Sean Walker when he got here. We just assumed he was some sort of a throw-in in the deal to make it work, maybe from a money standpoint. He's come here in 30 games, got three goals, eight assists, 11 points, plays the quick transition, up-tempo style very well, has fit in beautifully in that regard. Now, the odd part is that when he was traded here, I don't think Walker or any of the players knew that this would be their style this season. So I had a chance to catch up with Sean Walker yesterday. After practice, asked him about playing in transition, playing here in Philadelphia, fitting in with a new team, and much more. And here's my conversation with the Flyers defenseman. Uh, we're at Flyers practice with Flyers defenseman Sean Walker. Sean, uh, before the break, before the holiday, you got three games to take care of. How do you guys remain focused to continue playing and executing the way you have? Yeah, you know, obviously the holidays are exciting and stuff, but um, at the end of the day, these are three big games for us, so got to just focus on those and then, uh, you know, go to the break feeling good. So that's our main focus right now. You know, coming from L.A., you come here, was your usage ever kind of similar to this where quick in transition, allowing you to get up the ice and make those plays? Yeah, there was a time uh, <laughs> before my injury, I would say that I was kind of uh, usage kind of similar. Um, you know, after my injury, I was kind of in a tough spot, obviously come back and guys had earned ice time that I was used to getting. So um, that was just kind of the situation I was in. But um, yeah, it's worked out great here. And, you know, I think the style of play that the whole team wants to play as a whole um, has really benefited me. And um, that's kind of the way I want to play as well. So it's, it's worked out well. It, it really has been kind of this revelation for the team. When did you kind of find out that the team was going to attack this way? Because it wasn't this way a year prior when you weren't here. Yeah, I mean, I just kind of found out, I guess, the same time everyone else this year did, you know, through training camp, um, just kind of the mindset overall um, as a whole, being really aggressive, wanting to attack more, transition fast, um, while still being very solid defensively. Um, so, yeah, found out about the same time at the start of the year, and I think everyone bought in right away. As a guy who has to defend, when teams do that, they're really fast in transition. It doesn't allow you guys to get into the structure, so therefore it's a little bit more frenetic. Talk about what it's like to try and defend a team that's doing what you guys are doing offensively. Yeah, that's obviously a big part of it. You know, defending, if you can be up the ice and take away time and space, not even give them the chance to make those plays before the blue, it's really difficult. Um, so, you know, a team that transitions fast and doesn't give you the time to get those gaps or serve or, you know, squeeze with your D partner, it's, uh, it makes it hard. So that's kind of what we're trying to do to other teams, and uh, I think it's been working out pretty well. Yeah, stressing your opponent. Uh, coming into a new team sometimes, it, you kind of try to figure out, where do I fit in from a personality standpoint? We've heard a lot about the room and how it's really come together and it's a good room. How is that process for you, kind of getting to know the guys and fitting in and finding your voice within it? Yeah, you know, I think it was super easy. Um, you know, obviously, when you first come in, you're not really not too vocal. You don't know too many guys. Um, so you're just kind of seeing where you fit and meeting new guys and just kind of building friendships and building relationships from there. Um, but, yeah, you said it. The, the room's so good. Everyone's so welcoming, so nice. Um, 
right from the start I felt welcomed and um, you know it was a very easy transition for me. What's it been like you know playing now on the east coast as though playing on the west coast? It's been great. Um, Travels a little yeah, bit I was better. Gonna say that I think I think travel is obviously the main point that everybody wants to talk about. Um, that's been great. Um, and then you know an added bonus, my parents are on the east coast as well, so for them to be able to watch all my games and not have to stay up till one, two in the morning has been uh, has been awesome. Um, what's the plan for the holiday when when you finish these three games this week? Gonna go home actually. Um, we finish in Detroit. I'm just north of Toronto, so it's only about four hour drive. So my parents come to the game. And we'll head home after that. Um, spend the holidays there, and then a bunch of the Toronto guys will fly back on the 26th. So pretty excited to go home for the first time in a while. Be a great time to get a little catch your breath and get back after it. Thanks for doing this, Sean. Great season so far. Thank you. Thanks to Sean Walker for taking the time yesterday after practice. You know, it's got to be weird. You know, you walk into a new locker room and you're trying to figure out, where do I fit in this locker room? Not only as a player, where do I fit on this team? They, they're, you know, they're, they're in a rebuild. You know, who am I going to play with? Am I going to be a third-pairing guy? I'm in the last year of my deal. How am I going to fit in personality-wise? I was on the West Coast, but, you know, now I'm on the East Coast. It's much different. And he's just fit in perfectly in all of those areas, and he has been a very pleasant surprise for the Flyers. Really puts him in the pickle a little bit, which leads us to one last thing. Uh, I got this DM from Brendan. He just said to me, he said, Jason, it may be too quick or too forward thinking, but if the Flyers keep pace, how much does sliding into the playoffs as, let's say, the eighth seed affect the plan rebuild? And I'm seeing a lot of stuff on social media lately. You know, the Flyers keep winning. They're solidifying their place in the second spot in the Metropolitan Division of the Eastern Conference. They're obviously a playoff team right now. They'd have a home, they'd be the home ice advantage in the first round. And, you know, we, we saw names yesterday get thrown out like Johnny Gaudreau. Does that make sense? We were asked about that yesterday on the Ask Billy episode. Uh, Fridge on 32 Thoughts mentioned that Columbus is listening on everybody, but they're not. I imagine they're not listening on Adam Fantilli and a few others. But so people are going, oh, they should trade for him. Some people. A lot of people don't think that's a good idea, like me. I think that's ridiculous. Johnny Gaudreau has five years left after this at $9.75 million. He's north of 30. He's got five goals this year. It, that's not the route the Flyers should go. That's an old, old Flyers mentality. Very old. Shiny toy, maybe available to get. Let's go get him. That was the, that you could do that in a non-salary cap league. But as far as them being an eighth seed or being in the playoff mix and affecting the rebuild, and talking to the people I talk to and listening to Danny Breer and Keith Jones, there is and John Tortorella, there, nothing's changing about the rebuild. They're winning right now, and that's good, and we'll see if they can sustain it. You know, they're only 30 games in, not even at the halfway mark. The trade deadline is 79 days away from now. So a lot can happen between now and then. But because they're winning games and in the mix, doesn't change. they're not all of a sudden going to become buyers. They recognize, yeah, this winning is good and it's very good for you know that room to get some wins and feel good about the game and what's going on here in Philadelphia. But it doesn't mean they're going to go out and go, okay, forget the rebuild. We're just kidding. And we're going to make some short-sighted moves to try and push for, you know, winning a cup this year. That's not in the offing. 
Not my understanding. They are going to rebuild. They are continuing to rebuild. Just because they aren't losing and at the bottom of the standings, that's not going to change how they approach things. Now, they're in a great position. When you're winning and your team's playing well, you know, other teams are looking at guys like Sean Walker, like Nick Sealer, like maybe Rasmus Ristolainen and others, and going, hmm, Philly says they're in a rebuild. They may be willing to deal some of their pieces. Now, the good news is when your team's playing well and players are playing well, they're more valuable. And because your team's playing well and they're playing well, a guy like Danny Briere has more leverage in any trade discussion. So it's a great situation to be winning and rebuilding. Eventually, you got to win and the rebuild's over. They're not even close to that. The rebuild is still on. They are still rebuilding. And to go out, somebody else mentioned on my social media timeline, that they should go out and trade for Giroux. First of all, everybody knows that I was a big supporter of Claude Giroux in Philadelphia. Great player. Makes zero sense to do that. First of all, you turned over the locker room when he was traded to a young leadership group. They gained a voice, and then you bring them back, and it's, it's going to feel like their legs are cut off. Not because he's a bad guy or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. But this new group needs to organically grow as the next regime of Flyers hockey. Drew was here. Had a great career here. 1,000 games, 900 points, the whole thing. Don't try and go back. That is not the right thing to do, in my humble opinion. All right, Flyers-Devils tonight. We'll recap it tomorrow. So join us then on a brand new Flyers Daily.